Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. Hola, hola, mi gente. I'm Jessica Yanez, and this is the Wine and Chisme podcast, a podcast created to amplify voices and share the stories of people from BIPOC communities doing remarkable things, all while sipping on a glass of wine. So welcome to your new Wednesday. The Wine and Chisme Wednesday. connect with you i know the last couple times it's we had to reschedule it's been crazy but i appreciate you kind of going with the flow of everything um how are you today (laughs) i'm good i actually was able to share like a good meal with my mom i had a good workout and now i'm here so i'm really excited it's uh trying to like sell care (laughs) when i have time I totally understand that. I had really kind of gotten off the working out bandwagon. Mm-hmm. And I've this week, I was like, you know what? I just need to start getting my body moving again. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And I had um, another meeting this morning and I could feel myself getting anxious wanting to work out, mm-hmm. which was the best feeling. Well, Lizzie, let's like jump in. Um, you, I've, I'll, you are a team admin for San Diego Loyal. You grew mm-hmm. up in Vista, mm-hmm. uh, which is North County, San Diego, not too far from where I grew up in Escondido. Okay, we're neighbors. Yes, we're neighbors. <laughs> uh, and you're, but, and I'm just going to kind of give a little, a br- kind of go over your bio and then we'll get into questions because your parents had you okay. really young, 15 mm-hmm. and 18. Mm-hmm. And you, like I said, you, you, soccer has really been an integral part of your life. Now, like I said, work for the men's soccer team in San Diego as a team administrator, San Diego loyal. Mm-hmm. And I am super excited to kind of get to know more about you and hear more about your story because at all levels and all people on all levels, it's just so important that we hear each other's stories and journeys and everything mm-hmm. like that. So. But before we get to that, we start with the wine. Yes. So today (laughs) I am drinking a 2017. This was a gift. And I always appreciate when people want to give me gifts of wine. Uh, Josh Sellers Cabernet Sauvignon. It -hmm. is a 2017 Cabernet Sauvignon. So the Apparently, this is one of the first Cabernets is the first wine that Josh Sellers made. Are you partaking today? I'm actually not drinking for a while um, for health reasons. But before I stopped, I like started to fall in love with wine. I've always been like a Paloma tequila and squirt type of girl. 
but yeah. now I'm like, wow, get me some wine, please. But yes, I have a lot to learn. I used to just go for like the, the I don't even know what they call it because I'm not an expert, but just mm-hmm. the sweeter wine. Yeah. Now, like my palate changed and now I like the red wine. I'm like, who am I? <laughs> yes. Well, you know, it's really awesome because I've been going through, I'm going through like, um, obviously tasting so many wines and I'm going mm-hmm. through this wine education and if it's so there's three wines are sweet semi-sweet dry mm-hmm. but a sweet wine because I was that oh it's too sweet but a sweet wine like a true sweet wine is like a syrup it's like syrupy wine mm-hmm. right otherwise it's considered semi or dessert wine so like a port something like that Otherwise, it's considered a semi-sweet wine. So I always thought, like, for example, Rieslings have always been, like, sweeter on my palate. Yeah. Uh And we did this whole tasting thing. And it really just depends on, first of all, obviously, your palate, because everybody has different palates. But also, the food that you eat with your wine, Mm -hmm. if you're eating food with your wine, really does make a huge difference. We did this exercise that was we had mushrooms we had um what did we have we lemon salt and one more thing crap what was it interesting to have all of those things so you're yeah so we yeah so we just tasted it and then you taste Mm -hmm. the wine oh a cookie like I had the Maria's cookies Mm -hmm. the galletas the Maria's galletas and because it said it wanted a vanilla biscuit. And I was like, well, that's the sweetest I can go. I can handle Maria's, anything else. My- so you take it. So they have you take a taste of the wine. So you can taste it with nothing. Then you take a bite of like the Maria's. Mm-hmm. Then you take a drink of the wine again. And you see how it changes the flavor of the wine. Mm-hmm. And some of it, it made the wine taste even better. Yeah. Some of it, you're like, Oh, like when there was a Rioja that we had in our tasting. Mm-hmm. So you took a bite of the cookie and then you retasted the Rioja and it was so gross. Mm. By itself, the Rioja was beautiful <laughs> and wonderful, but with the cookie, it was gross. Wow. Then there was with the lemon, you take a drink of the wine, take lemon, and then we did lemon with salt which is something I would just totally drink, but like eat by myself anyways. Right. Like <laughs> exactly. And, um, we used to put the, the saladitos in the middle of the lemon and just suck on them. Yeah. yeah girl, my mouth is watering. Just saying <laughs> like the little packets. Yes. yes totally. Totally. <laughs> so, but you put the salt on the lemon, you taste the, the Riesling, right. Mm-hmm. That, and then you take then you take the salt with the lime taste that and then you taste the riesling again the riesling tasted amazing with that <laughs> what yes oh, wow. isn't that great it's so great so it's so interesting as i'm learning more and i'm trying to like share more of those things instead of mm-hmm. like taking a it's really important if you, if you decide to have wine like i have wine by itself i don't need to have it with food i do have it with mm-hmm. food but i don't need to have it with food <laughs> but it's really important mm-hmm. to to realize what mm-hmm. you know, food you are having, how much it can really t- change the taste of wine. So yeah, how did like 
I'm just like, how did you learn more about it? Is it more just like through trial and error, like tasting different things or like, cause I'm like, I don't know anything about like what type of wine to drink with what. Or to so eat with what. I'm learning as, you know, I'm continuing to learn. I'm actually getting my certificate, my wine certification, mm. my level one wine certification as we speak. Mm. Nice. Um, so I think by the time this episode comes out, I should have my level one wine certification. Uh, and then I'll go into the next one, which is like way more intense. The level two is like way more intense. Yeah. So it's just, I'm just learning and I'm reading and I'm trying, yeah, trial and error and all of those things. Nice. So it's very, very interesting. That's exciting. Yes. Well, so. we'll have to like touch base again. When I start drinking again, I'll be like, okay, you're the expert. Teach me. <laughs> yes. No, that. And you know what else I want to do is I want to have... Once we're all able to do stuff again, I want to be able to host a wine tasting and be able to kind of share those types of things as well. Uh That'd be so fun. Yeah. (laughs) Got it. In the meantime, we're doing the virtual tastings and that's been really awesome. So let's get into it, girl. You were very honest and very open when I asked you for your bio and you said that you were born to your born to teenage parents, 15 and 18. Mm-hmm. So tell me about growing up as a product of teenage parents. Did you feel like when you were growing up, they were more of your friend or your parent? I feel like that it could go either way. Like it, they could really, mm-hmm. like you're growing up together and it can really feel like they're your friend or at some point it can really feel like, oh wait, no, I need to be this person. Like the the parent realizes like I need to be their parent and become super strict. What was your experience like growing up? Um, I would say overall, like, cause I, I live with my mom my whole life. So it was basically we're friends. Like I told this day, I consider her like my best friend. Um, so definitely like we learned a lot together especially in my teenage years and I think it was hard to like have the boundaries between like okay now the rules come in like you want to have this fun but you know like during your teenage years you have to like have these rules and like as I'm developing so I would say that was the hardest when I was like but you're my friend what do you mean (laughs) what do you mean no so that was um, when she started she's coming into her stern. own as a woman yes. at that time, too. Right. As you're like, she's in her 20s and early 30s when mm-hmm. you're becoming a teenager. Yes. Yes. So that was very interesting. Um, when that shift happened, I was quite upset. I was like, what do you mean? Like, we're supposed to go have fun together. But um, yeah, because, for example, like my quinceanera, she was 30 and um that was a whole, like, that was when the shift happened. But I would say now, like, I feel like I like separated myself to like develop and learn things that I wasn't able to learn. Um, And my mom and I have very open conversations about this in a sense. We're like, mom, you didn't know better. So it's fine. Like, don't be so hard on yourself because like, even though I have to work 30 times harder than other people to do like the normal stuff, now like I get to like teach her things and it's okay. It's okay that like the role flipped a little bit, but end of day, like she's the one who raised me at, I would, I, she would tell me that when she was in high school, she would like be taking me to like the child care place. So I'm just like, I appreciate all of those things because she easily could have been like, 
grandma, like my grandma, like take care of her, yeah. you know? So yeah, it's, it's been a struggle with, but with my dad, it's been, I didn't really see him as much growing up. So it's always been like a father daughter relationship. Yeah. You, you, what was, did you feel like when you were growing up, your mom had a very, and, and because she was so young, she may not have had this, or she may have, I've had, I have friends who are teen moms as well. And mm-hmm. we're teen moms and they had very specific expectations of them growing up. Did you, of their kids, because they mm-hmm. didn't want them to necessarily follow in the same footsteps, right? Oh yeah. So did your mom <laughs> have very specific expectations for you growing up? Yes, girl. She, I, when I tell people, I was like, she had me in a cage. Like I couldn't do anything. I was like, mom, can I please go to the movies? Can I like hang out with my friends? She's like, no, 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 no. And crazy me, I ran away for like a day. She caught me. It was, it was <laughs> but she was like, you either like go home now or like, don't come at all. And I was like, oh, <laughs> got it but yeah she definitely like suppressed a lot for me and like overdid things so that I wouldn't experience what she did but I think now like I'm like grateful for it and I'm like it's now I'm like super uber focused and it's the same girl that I was when I was growing up and now she's like let's go have fun and I'm like no like this is how like these are habits this is just like the way you raised me now I don't want to do anything now I don't want to be social, but it's, it's pretty funny. Now it's like flip the roles. I'm like, no, nah, nah, I'm good. <laughs> but yes, definitely a lot of restrictions growing up because she was just scared and I don't blame her because she, she didn't have it easy growing up. Yeah. I feel like that can make people one of two ways. Like either they can become very repressed themselves or I know people that they were very restricted in the things that they could do. So when but and then they were super sneaky about it. And then mm. when they left their parents' house, went but crazy wild. Mm, yeah, I had that stage too. Definitely. I had to go through that stage because I was like, mom, my, my only option, I was in college. And I was like, I'm rebelling. I'm in college now, mom, second year in college. Like, let me go to a party without being back at 10 p.m. Like, come on now, stop it. <laughs> so like, I, I didn't like myself in that season because it was just like... I didn't like going against my mom, but it almost had to happen for her to be like, oh, she's an adult to a certain extent. I was like 22 years old. So yeah, it was, um, it's just all these different like seasons we went through mm-hmm. to like understand because we always were like butting heads. Yeah. Where did you go to college? I went to Maricosta College in Oceanside for two years. And then I transferred to Hope International. It's a small Christian college in Fullerton. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. My parents live in Orange County and I have no idea where that is. So, you know where Cal State Fullerton is at? Yeah, my sister graduated from there. Okay, literally this school is right across the street and it's like, it looks like a church, but it's a school. <laughs> it's so funny. Oh. It's like super, super small. And we would actually train because I was on the soccer team at Cal State Fullerton. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So you, you were very, um, kind of, like you said, kept in a cage when Mm -hmm. you were growing up and then you go to, you'll go to way of college and obviously it's not that far, but it's far enough away that your mom does not see you all the time. It's Mm -hmm. far enough. It's not a commuter school (laughs) unless you live in Orange County. Exactly. So 
what was your college experience like, especially rebelling and then, but rebelling while going to a Christian school? How was that? <laughs> well, I rebelled at Miracosta, but either way, I had a blast at, at Hope International. It was, I like, I was like, I, I haven't experienced this freedom to a certain extent, right? Mm-hmm. So I had my season where I did, and like, you have like your, like your clique is your soccer team. So you just have fun. And it was, then eventually, maybe like after a while, it just got old. And I was like, okay, back to, I put myself, I realized that then I was putting myself in the cage. I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. And I was like, Lizzie, it's okay to have fun. Like stop yeah. being so mean to yourself, but definitely got a taste of the freedom, which was fun. But then I was like, eh, I'm going to be a hermit. <laughs> well, you grew up in North County. Like we said, you were, grew up in Vista. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were neighbors. Because yeah. the only because the only thing between Vista and Escondido is San Marcos. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> just kidding! I love. How that. did you felt you? How did you feel your identity was being seen so close? Because you're not super like San Diego County is definitely a border county to me, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. but it's not like North County. It's about forty miles, forty minutes from the border, mm-hmm. so we're still really close, but you're not like, it's not considered a border city, mm-hmm. but how do you feel? Cause I, you grew up in Vista in a different time that I grew up in Escondido mm-hmm. and I go back and I reflect on, on how I grew up in Escondido and I see like people I grew up with and how different we've grown up and how I wonder how they see, how they saw me when I see some of their political stances mm-hmm. i'm like do you did you know i'm mexican right like, <laughs> you say you're afraid yeah. but how do you feel because vista i feel like is, is a very still very conservative mm-hmm. um how how do you feel like your identity was seen growing up in vista um let me see if i understand the question so in a sense like my identity as as, as a latina, latina. yeah okay. Um, yeah, so I went to Lincoln Middle School and Rancho Buena Vista, and I I really felt like growing up, I didn't really, I didn't, I never had the conversations or in a sense where like my parents or anyone really would tell me like, okay, these are, we're on it, like we're right next door, basically neighbors to Tijuana, like Mexico, these are like your roots. And we never really had that conversation or even talked about other ethnicities or like really had political conversations about it. But I would say like I because when I went to Lincoln Middle School, I was around a lot more Latinos and I felt like I I blended well, but I was getting into a lot of trouble because of the influences. So I had to move to Madison Middle School, which is like closer to Rancho Buena Vista. I don't know if you're familiar. Um, so RBV. Yes, girl. Did you go there? No, I went to Orange Glen and San Pasquale. So they were our CIF um, rivals. Did you play, did you play sports? I was a, I played softball and I was a cheerleader. Nice. I call myself a girly tomboy. I love it. I wanted to be a cheerleader too. I really did. So I love it. I, I appreciate them. <laughs> but basically I, um, how do I say this? I really appreciated like my roots and like where I come from and like, cause like, I feel like just being around all the cholos and like, just really understanding, like, this is how I was raised. Like a lot of my family members are that way. But when I went to Madison middle school, I was like, 
why aren't people like ditching or like why aren't people like people here do their homework mom like what's going on so it was like a shock of like but there was still Latinos that were like doing good and I was like oh they look like me but they're still doing good in school like this is we do this you know so I guess it just goes down to who I was around and I really liked that shift because it allowed me to still embrace who I am as a Latina, but still like have a successful path. You say in that you started playing soccer and when Mm -hmm. around the time you started playing soccer, that's when your parents split up. Mm -hmm. How old were you when you started playing soccer? I was, I believe eight, eight years old, maybe. And you said that saved your life. So tell me about that experience of how soccer saved your life during a, a, you know, what can be a very traumatic time in a child's life, their parents divorcing? Yeah, I would say um, it just really helped me stay sane physically because of like just working out in general, just like helped me just release a lot of like stress and anxiety and kind of like me as a coach, I'll go back to that. But like me as a coach, I saw a little girl that her parents were divorced. And after every game, she would be crying. And I was like, that was me. I was like, that was me. Which, was soccer uh, just like an escape for you where you didn't have to yeah. think of all of that, all of the things that were happening at home? Yeah, but it was like, I had the community of people. I had um, just like people that cared for me knew like, we we're like, oh, actually the team that I grew up with, uh, there was a few girls that were going through, like had divorced parents. So like we were just fighting together. Like it was like it was our escape. And like with school, like kept me focused. It like like if I wanted to play soccer and do what I love, like I have to like do my studies. But I would say just like the community and the ethics that you learn and the character that you build, like being on time when you're sprinting, like make sure you touch that line, like you're cheating yourself if you don't. So like it's just like under like it's just so much more that I felt like I learned that my mom didn't have the energy to teach me because she was like raising all the kids, cooking, working. So it like in one of my coaches, in a sense, like was like a dad role model for me. So just like having, I don't know, it's just like weird how you just get placed in a, in a family that you weren't expecting to have. Yeah. I mean, definitely it teaches you discipline, right? Mm -hmm. Because you have to, not only you have to be at practice certain days, certain times, certain, you know, level mm-hmm. of hours. It teaches you time management, especially when you're a student athlete, because yes. you have to figure yeah. out how to manage the time that's played on the field between practice games and your homework. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it teaches you teamwork, obviously, mm-hmm. when you're in a team environment, because you have to learn how to play together with a lot of different personalities that you that you will mm-hmm. not always get along with, especially teenage girls you're not always going to get along there will always be some sort of drama even to the smallest extent there will always be some some court some side of drama yes yes and I think it yeah it definitely teaches you mental toughness as Mm -hmm, well mm -hmm. Um, because you have to learn and here's one thing that I feel like maybe it's kind of the way people have learned to lose has changed since Mm -hmm. I played is you lose, you lose. There's no participation trophy. There's no like, Mm -hmm. because that's how life is, right? Mm -hmm. Like you lose, you lose. Okay. Too bad. You got to 
You got to suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. Yeah. It sucks. I hate it. <laughs> Girl, me. When, if there's something that I know I'm not good at, I will, I just try and have a good time. But if there's mm. something like even to this day, and I haven't gone to the batting cage in forever, but to this day, if I step into a batting cage in my head, I'm like, I'm going to fucking beat you. <laughs> I'm like, you better watch out, girl. Yeah. I'm like, you better, like, I better show up at the, right here. It's game like, time. Yes, totally. Oh my gosh. Yes. And I get like, um, I get so excited when I see softball. Like, I'm like, oh, I wish I was out there playing. I would, you know, like all of those little things. Oh, so, um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I actually struggle with that with, um, because with where I work, I'm there on game days, right? And I'm like, like I twitch a little bit, but I have to like compose myself because I have to be professional. I'm not the coach. So I'm just like, mm-hmm. but like, yes. I, like my blood is boiling and I'm like, you're ready to get in. You're like, come on. No, I totally get that. Team. Don't touch him like that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what kind of student athlete were you? What do you mean? Um, were you somebody who, because we we're talking about all of these things mm-hmm. that, you know, being a student, being an athlete teaches you, right? All mm-hmm. of these things that are really, truly life lessons. I think, it, you know, not everybody wants to play a sport. Not everybody, that's where their passion or or wherever lies. So I think there, mm-hmm. but I always think that there's something that we can do that teaches us how to, that teaches us lessons that we can take in life. Mm-hmm. So one of those things I was saying was talking about time management. Were you, what kind of student athlete was it when you came to, when it came to those things, were you somebody who like just did the bare minimum? Cause mm-hmm. I have friends who are just like, they were just so exhausted. They put everything. And I think as you always, you kind of always put everything, but they were like the next level sometimes. And so they kind of just did the bare minimum at school just to be mm-hmm. eligible. Mm-hmm. And then you had people who were both who excelled mm-hmm. at sports and excelled at school because they're like, mm-hmm. if I'm going to do it, every anything I do, I'm going to do 150 mm-hmm. percent. And then you had somebody <laughs> like me who was like, I'll give it out on the field and I'm going to give it all into the into the um, subjects I like. Mm-hmm. If I don't like I'm going to do the bare minimum. <laughs> Yes, girl. I think I was, I'm trying to remember, basically anything that I like to put my interest in, um, all in, which can be good or bad because then I'm like super anal about the details and I'm like, why isn't this getting done? I was like, Lizzie, this isn't like your main thing, but basically I, I would try my very hardest. I'm the student that like had to work extra hard just to like get the bare minimum. Like when I would read, I'd be like, I had to read it like 20 times just to like understand it. Whenever we were like at family parties, like here comes Lizzie with her big old backpack and like all her homework. So it was honest, being a student was a struggle for me, but I, um, I always try to do like the extracurricular things. Like I was an avid and like all these things. I like, was my time. Yes. All the avid notes. Those were a struggle. Um, but I, um, I thought like Avid really helped me because they gave me like, they gave, as you know, they gave us tools and strategies just to, like how to study better, how to like pay attention more like scheduling. But I was forced because of sports to like do my homework right away so that 
after practice I'm like not doing homework Mm -hmm. but then again I'm an I'm like a night owl too I would have to work really really hard to like did you have did you did you find did you have any like learning disabilities or comprehend because you said it took you a long time to like comprehend what you were reading is that something that you ever got tested for or do you feel or do you feel like now maybe you did and you just there was never you never got tested or never knew never got tested um I think because I would like work so hard it would seem like I was doing normal like the teachers wouldn't really see like a reason or I wouldn't I didn't even know that was an option right growing up Mm -hmm. but I think now like I use that that same work ethic with work and I now that I have like I'm so used to doing more so now I try to do other things on the side so that like I'm excelling um in different ways or like just to be more like a competitive edge to me so yeah so that I think that's why I went through that so I can learn to like put in the extra work but then I would also like do extra jump rope because girl you know when you don't start (laughs) and you're like oh you're ahead of me okay so instead of thank you mom don't let me go to the movies because I'm gonna do jump rope all night like don't talk to me like I'm gonna be in the garage, like putting in the extra work, like doing the ladder. So you, well, you yeah. started late. Like I started late because I didn't play, mm-hmm. start playing softball until I was in third grade and eight, being okay. eight, that's actually late to start for a lot of kids to start sports. A lot of them start earlier. So the first few years, I would say by the time I hit, or maybe I was later, was it third grade or fifth grade? No, I think I started cheering. I don't even remember now. I think I started Mm -hmm. cheering in third grade, Mm -hmm. started playing softball in fifth grade, which is Mm -hmm. really, really late. I think. That's true. Yeah. I guess, yeah, because I was, when I was coaching, I was coaching like little four-year-olds. Yeah. So I was really, really, I think it was in fifth grade Mm -hmm. when I started playing softball. Third grade, I started Mm -hmm. a cheerleader, as as cheerleader. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's what it was trying to remember see you know when you I was yeah (laughs) and then I would and since they were off season I could do both like I did I was a cheerleader in the fall played softball in the spring Mm -hmm. and I was really really far behind so by the time I was in middle school Mm -hmm. you know I was up to Mm -hmm. what I could do and I and I started but yeah it sucks Mm -hmm. when you first start and you're not playing because you're you obviously my parents never forced me to play into anything then ne- I was mm-hmm. always me like hey I want to do this hey I want to do this hey I want to do this so mm-hmm. yeah I sucked when I first started especially starting mm-hmm. so late so instead I was probably like because my birthday's in November I mm-hmm. started so I was probably like 10 years old when I started playing mm-hmm. softball which is very very late mm-hmm. for most kids I know soccer and it was an outlet when you first started, was it because your parents wanted you to have something or were you just like seeing your friends do it and you wanted to do it too? I think my cousins were in it. And so like my mom and one of her like fate, like they're like best friends, cousins, they had all the kids in soccer. So it was more like a family thing where Mm -hmm. we would all just like watch each other's games and we're all in the same park. So I think that's why I started and it just stuck. Gotcha. Some of us like started like my brother after that, he's like, I'm done with soccer. I'm going to do football. So it was good. Just like still be in the path of like sports. Yeah. So when you went to college, you said you were still playing soccer. You got, uh, did you get a scholarship to hope? Is that where you, mm-hmm. why you went there? 
Yeah, I got a partial scholarship. It was one of those things where like I wanted to go to a Christian college. And it's funny how I worked out. It was the only school that offered me money. And I was like, ah, like, I, cause I wanted to go to like a, a Point Loma or like a Cal Poly Pomona or like, yeah. you know, but I was like, I'm going to hope like no disrespect, but I was like, yo, this, I don't even know the school. Like, what's <laughs> so like, but I honestly fell in love with it. It was weird transition going from like Rancho to Miracosta like a public school going to a small private school where like everyone like knows each other we're at the same class like and I'm like dude like in the cafeteria together in the gym together and I'm like this gave me anxiety I need to meet more people (laughs) I'm like I can't but eventually you just like it, it like I don't know I like the teachers everyone just gets to know each other at a deeper level yeah did you go to college I did I but I didn't play I didn't play sports in college because I went as a later student. So two weeks before my junior year uh, of high school, we moved to, we moved from Escondido to Albuquerque, New Mexico. Mm. And when I was in New Mexico, I only played softball. Mm. And then we moved a week after my graduation, we moved back to California. We moved back Mm -hmm. to Escondido. Mm -hmm. I, because we were out of the state for more than a year, we became out of state residents. So we had to establish residency again, but I was going to play. I had actually tried out to play at Palomar Mm -hmm. and they wanted me to play. They wanted my bat girl. (laughs) They wanted my bat because I was a power hitter for sure. I mean, of course, like don't expect anything else. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. And uh, I ended up, so a crazy thing, and I don't think I ever even shared, I really have ever even shared this. So I was in the middle of my Chicano studies class Mm -hmm. and the professor had called me up after class and he said that he got noticed that I was no longer enrolled because my money had bounced. So my parents had written a check for my tuition, but couldn't cover it. Mm -hmm. So I got kicked out of school for not being able to pay tuition. Oh, wow. So I couldn't play softball. They couldn't like, I mean, wouldn't they give you like a warning? Like kind of work? No, no. And then I don't even remember what happened. I honestly don't even remember what happened when I talked to my mom and dad about it. And so, but I know I was really heartbroken. I was really frustrated Mm -hmm. because I was going to play softball at a school that, you know, Palomar has a really good softball program. Mm -hmm. I was really excited that they wanted me, you know, I didn't even care. Like I would have been a backup catcher Mm -hmm. and I didn't care because they Mm -hmm. wanted me for my bat. And I was Mm -hmm. like, okay, cool. Like I'll be the power hitter. I'll be Mm -hmm. that person. That's totally Mm -hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. So I was really, really upset about that. But, and then when I went, finally went back to school, it was in when I had moved to debt to Texas mm-hmm. is when I finally really went back to school. Mm-hmm. And by that point I wasn't playing anymore. But going back to what you're saying, like, even like, there's something about like playing for your city, right? Cause you're like San Marcos, Escondido is basically your neighbors, right? So I'm sure that was going to be something even more special for you that, you're able to play for Palomar. It's really weird. I, that's kind of disappointing that even your coaches couldn't help you. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It was so long ago, girl, yeah. like, you know, a lifetime ago. Yeah, a <laughs> lifetime ago. So I don't even remember all the details. I just remember yeah. like 
that generality of it and Mm -hmm. how sad I was. But, you know, it teaches you a lesson because I think it made me, at least for me, really realize how much I wanted to go back to school. Mm -hmm. And I did go back to school and I graduated college when I was 37, 20 Mm -hmm. years from 20, almost 20 years to the day that I graduated high school. I graduated college. Yeah. Yeah. So it made me appreciate that time mm-hmm. and the time that it took. And I didn't do it for anybody but me. Mm-hmm. When, at what point did you realize that you wanted to work in sports? Originally, why, yeah, that would make sense. Okay. Originally, why I went to Hope International was because we had a joint like commitment with um, Cal State Fullerton to be an athletic trainer. So I was like, cool, I'll go study over there, but play over here. And I'm like, I get the best of both worlds, like dope. But they're like, yeah, you won't be able to take classes for another two years. And I was like, <laughs> like, do you not know how expensive Hope International is? Like, I will not be here. Like, I can't be here for a long time. So after Why like for two years, I guess there's like a long wait list, especially because we weren't priority because we were like, they're like partner school or whatever it was so that year we ended up opening a sports management major at hope and that's where my first class like till this day dr jeremiah she was just amazing like amazing we the class about um the stadiums so basically she would take us on a lot of like <clears throat> different like stadiums. We went to the StubHub Center. We went to the Angel Stadium and somewhere else. But basically that's where I was like, wow, I'm falling out. Like, I really love this. And then <clears throat> I interned at Chivas USA, which was an MLS team. Mm-hmm. And that's where I like started connecting with people. I wasn't getting paid, but I was like, this is where I belong. Like there's no oh, girl. doubt. I think there's such a misconception that when you work in sports, you're going to make money. Let's just tell you, because I've worked, I worked for North Texas Super Bowl host committee. I worked for a minor league hockey team. I've worked worked, worked in sports as well, but people think, oh yeah, I'm going to do this. Okay. Let me just tell you, you make shit in sports. (laughs) When you work in sports, you don't make money. And the reason is is because there's so much, so many people who want to work in sports and it's like about the quote unquote cachet of things Mm -hmm. where you make, if you want to work in sports, the place you're going to make the most money is in the NBA. Mm -hmm. That's where they pay the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So because that's not what I'm doing. Therefore, I really love what I do. Yeah, you have to really love what you do to work in sport. So how how did you transition from college? Where did like what was your career path to get to the San Diego Loyal? Um, I did a few different things. I, during college, I was actually working for a youth club out in Huntington Beach. And that's where I started like, getting like the admin stuff doing like going and kind of networking within the soccer world. And also like doing like on the side, like soccer leagues and like for the youth. Um, So just learning how the soccer world from the youth side. And then once I came home, I started coaching with um, Oceanside Breakers and Miracosta. So it was nice to come back and coach where I played. But um, yeah, that's, I started with coaching and then like 
just doing things with like administratively too. Cause I was like, I do love coaching, but there's more to it that I want to do um, mm-hmm. within the sports world. So the big leap for me was I went, I played for, I mean, not played, I worked for the U.S. Soccer Federation. And that was exciting. Wow. I um, I went to Chicago for six months and I was there the whole winter. I, I was there from September, came back home in March. And I was Ouch. like, I mean, I'm sure it was amazing, but I'm sure the weather was not. Oh, honey, let me tell you. So (laughs) it was like, it was a shocker. I was like, I embraced it because it was my first time in the snow, but like I, the embracing went away two seconds after I was like, okay, I fully relate to that because look, I lived in Dallas for 15 years Mm -hmm. and look, I love Dallas. Mm -hmm. If there was, if I were to ever leave San Diego again, I would be back in Dallas. Like that's the only, probably the only place I would be, but I like the cold for about a week, just so I can wear all my cute hats and scarves and everything. And then Mm -hmm. I'm over it. Mm -hmm. I'm like, where is the warm weather? Us, uh, Us Southern California girls, us San Diego girls. We don't like the cold unless, and I'm not a skier or snowboarder. So it's not, you know, but even then you're only there for, you know, a weekend and then you get to go uh-huh. back home. Yeah. You like, you know, go do I'm activity. Like in it. <laughs> exactly. I was, um, I was very humbled through that experience, but luckily, honestly, I felt like I had the best. It was another internship and externship, whatever. It's yeah, called. I was about to ask what, you, what do you, what do you did there? Yeah, I got paid there um, as an intern. I forget what they called it, but basically like I was- yeah, I wasn't full-time. Uh, I mean, I was full-time, but not like a manager or anything like that. So right. basically, um, I it was event operation. So it was the best one because I was able to travel with like the team that would like set up the stadium. So for example, we would go work in Orlando mm-hmm. and we would like set up all this, like we would set up for the opposing team or the women's national team or the men's national team. So it was the first team. And then we would like help with the ball kids, you know, like when they walk out with the kids yeah. like before the game and like the referees. So that really like, cause I was doing that at like for semi-pro teams. I don't know if you heard of the San Diego Sea Lions or like. No, but I grew up with the soccers, the San Diego yes. soccers, indoor soccer. Yeah. So like I worked with them too for a season, like doing like merchandise stuff. So like US soccer really like elevated it. Like it was like my bosses were extremely detailed oriented. And let me tell you, I was like, even as something as small as like an email, like you put a different font right here. And I was like, how did you even like, you know, so like, I really got really sharp. Yeah. So I loved it. It's like, he's this, you represent us. So like, you just need to like, oh, I up. so get that. And we, I was like, I love it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So how long did it take before you went? Is the, First of all, let me ask you a question. Is the Loyal an actual MLS team? Are they a major league soccer team? Or are they like a... USL farm team. It's USL, so it's the second division, so right below okay. MLS. Okay, um, is where the league we play in. Okay, I wasn't sure. How long have they been in San Diego? Um, we officially started in 2020. Years before that, I mean, like 2019 is where like we started like brewing things together. But yes, last year was the official start 
And we only had two home games. One was like a like a preseason game. And then our first one was against Las Vegas Lights. And both days were like amazing. Just like the the fans. And we like totally miss our fans because now like we don't have fans because of COVID. We didn't have fans, so they weren't allowed in because of COVID. Fans make a huge difference in games, as as you know, like you work in sports, but yeah, it was a um, very interesting year to start <laughs> the, the club. No ki- I mean, guy, no kidding. So tell me about that. Tell me about, because obviously you start, you know, all these things happen. You think, oh, yay, we're gonna, we're starting. And then COVID hits. How did that completely impact? Because you guys still had a season. Mm-hmm. I still mm-hmm. played. So how did that impact the season? Um, In a lot of different ways, because we had to stop for a bit, but like we would meet a lot on Zoom. And like the guys would do workouts there or individually. Individual um, work at- yes, okay. we would like have like we would have like our athletic trainer or physical therapist like run the class. And then the guys would work out there and they were expected to like run certain amount of miles during the day by themselves. So it was just really, really weird and hard to keep everyone connected. But the way like we were able to have a season was just play teams that were close by. So like the furthest we went now was to Phoenix. So it was Phoenix, Las Vegas, and like Orange County and LA. So we had like the three, all these teams played each other like three times, but we weren't able to fly on planes. So we literally drove all the way to Phoenix in a bus. (laughs) We like little things like that where like everyone had to like, we had to sit like certain seats apart from each other just to like, you know, like stay safe. But honestly, we were very, the guys did really good because no one got COVID during that time and everyone stayed, stayed in. They did what they had to do just because it's eventually if someone gets COVID, you can pass it on to someone else, right? Yeah. They understood the pressure of stay home, (laughs) like literally do nothing because or else you can't play. So your role, what is your, you're the team admin for Mm -hmm. San Diego Loyal. What does that role entitle? So basically kind of like, uh, like, uh, the flow of it throughout the season. So right now that we haven't started yet, I help the guys find housing. So kind of get them settled in. And I have realtors now are helping me this year to help the the guys because it's a lot of work, especially because every single guy has like individual needs and with them and their family. So that has helped me a lot this year. And then after they're here, we have pre-seasons. The day-to-day stuff on the field, the meals, the the training facility, and then on the road, just like meals again. <laughs> Everything revolves around food. And um, yeah, just like the hotel stuff, game day setup. So I get to travel with my job too. So it's really, I love it, but a lot. It's a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, tell me more, like, how was your path within the sports world? Or did you originally want to do sports or... Um, mine was actually, it it was, no, I was going in public relations. I didn't know what I wanted to do within public relations as far as what kind. Mm -hmm. And I had been laid off from a job. Uh, I was selling advertising, outdoor advertising, Mm -hmm. and the economy started going down. I was the last one hired. So Mm -hmm. I was the first one to let, to be let go because the Mm -hmm. first thing that places let go of is marketing dollars mm-hmm. and advertising dollars mm-hmm. when there's an economic downfall, downturn. Mm-hmm. And I had a friend 
who I have a friend who at the time worked for the Dallas Convention and Visitors Bureau. Mm-hmm. He's the one who let me know, hey, there is a job. There is a job I think you would be really awesome for. I can refer you with the North Texas Super Bowl host committee. Now, there are websites such like Teamwork Online, you know, mm-hmm. Teamwork Online that you can get information on jobs. But jobs for the Super Bowl are not ever just like posted, just like mm-hmm. jobs for the Olympics and stuff like mm-hmm. that. You really have to know somebody mm-hmm. in order to get an in. Nope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those are not jobs that are just like posted willy nilly. You mm-hmm. have to know somebody within within the world. So she referred me to uh, my former boss and my wonderful boss lady. I still call her Robbie. And they were looking for somebody to help. And I had interviewed for the position and I kept following up, but I Mm -hmm. didn't get it. But because I was so tenacious and I kept following up, they created a role for me. Yes. And they created a role in the community development. Mm -hmm. And so basically what my job was, is I ended up managing all of the interns. But on top of that, I also was the person who found all of the events. Like my job was to find any and every event that was happening in North Texas and get us there because we had to help recruit 10,000 volunteers for all of the events that were happening up to oh, and wow. up to and including Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. wow. Wow. So it was literally creating these lists, mm-hmm. finding out what was happening, getting us in. I mean, it's really nice when you can say, yes, we were because we didn't have a budget, so we couldn't mm-hmm. pay. Like a lot of these places you have to pay to get in. Mm-hmm. But just saying you're with Super Bowl, mm-hmm. it helps. Mm-hmm. But people mm-hmm. don't realize that the host committees are very different than mm-hmm. NFL. Mm-hmm. Like the NFL does not take care of all of the details leading up to Super Bowl that happen within the city itself mm-hmm. within the region itself okay, okay. they take over super bowl like day oh. like we take take care of business development small businesses mm-hmm. like making sure that they have access to all of these different things we're the mm-hmm. ones who recruit the volunteers it's actually a mm-hmm. nonprofit. Mm-hmm. is the the committee itself is a nonprofit? interesting and then then like that week when nfl comes in then they're the ones mm-hmm. who take care of all those additional logistics. Oh. So, yeah. So it was really, it was really, that's how I ended up in sports. And then from there, I went to a hockey team and mm-hmm. that was really a lot of fun, but it was a lot of work. And so, so but I mean, I love sports. And mm-hmm. in fact, this year, it's so crazy. This year is the 10 year anniversary, mm-hmm. uh, the Super Bowl that I worked at. So, mm-hmm. Our group, we're like, we're still very close. We're mm-hmm. still, you know, you know, when you're, when you, especially when you work in sports, you become, it's a very tight knit community. Mm-hmm. These are people that I've still kept in touch with. The person yeah. I worked with most closely, my friend Courtney is mm-hmm. one of my best friends to this day. We talk almost every day okay. and we worked together 10 years ago mm-hmm. and we're going to have a zoom call, bring everybody together that's to exciting. celebrate this 10 year anniversary that we worked at Super Bowl. That's awesome. So that's, that's awesome. you know, I, I've been really fortunate and I actually worked for the world police and fire games as well in okay. uh, 20, in 2017, that was in LA. Nice. And I think once you've worked in sports, it's really nice. You, you can still go back to that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is really nice. Mm-hmm. But again, like we kept mm-hmm. saying, 
I know we keep saying it, but you really have to have a passion because sport, unless you're like a high level executive, mm-hmm. you're not making a ton of money in sports. Mm-hmm. Very true. And it, yeah, I, I feel like it's the whole human side of it, right? How you said like building relationships with all these people, but also like all the athletes that we get to talk to on a daily basis and just like really see like what's going on. How are you really doing? How can we help you like get through whatever you're going through or like excel as a human? Like what are your goals? So I really, I, I love that part. Like, it's, And you get it's to actually good. work with a soccer legend, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Landon Donovan is the coach yes. for San Diego Loyal. Mm-hmm. How is it working with like, I mean, he's really a legend in, in men's soccer, especially in the, in the States. Yeah. He's very humble, very, very humble, welcoming. And it's just like, so before like working with San Diego Loyal, we worked with, did soccer city initiative together. I don't know if you heard of it. Mm-hmm. Where it was, um, measure E to bring soccer or MLS to San Diego. So that, that was like the original push to like bring soccer to San Diego so that's where I, I got to work with him on a daily basis too. And he's just so hardworking and like the amount of time he's devoted to like meeting people in San Diego. He's just so genuine. Like his conversations, he like listens to you, like something as simple as like eye contact, right? Like you would think like someone so famous would be like, dude, get me out of here, you know? But like, no, he's so in tuned and like really wants to make a difference in people's lives. So I'm very fortunate. I'm just like, how are you so nice? Like I learned so much from you. (laughs) Working in sports, being raised by a teenage mom, um, having to work harder just to Mm -hmm. feel like you're at a normal level. Mm -hmm. How has all of that brought you to this place? I would say that it has it has shown me that I really need to put in the work, right? Put in the work to really get to where I want and no one's going to do it for me. So just like in regards to like healing, I feel like I'm at a place right now where, cause I I've like grinded, I've worked from like all the way from Garden Grove and LA to like San Diego and like I've like done it all just me and my, my beat up cars, you know, Mm -hmm. going back and forth and like making phone calls, you know, just trying to make ends meet coaching little girls. So like, I feel like I'm at a place where I can not pause because I'm always trying to excel in like my career, but like really like on what's one side, what am I running away from? Right. Cause I can hide behind my work. I can, cause I, I've done, I go to church as well. So like you can, I like to serve, but it's like, what, like, why are you moving? Like, why are you moving so much? Like, can we just sit and like, see what's going on inside? So like, that has been a huge challenge because I'm like, oh, I've been holding on to this for a long time. So kind of going back to last week, it was very um, moving. Well, actually me and her did like a, a free session before just to like see what she's about and literally like it was right before I went to go see my mom and I felt like when I right when I saw my mom I was like just connecting with her like flowing like I was like why am I so like I feel free and I only did some work with her for like 10 minutes right and it's she was telling me like there's just emotional blocks inside that like block us from like seeing things or like just letting go so 
I'm excited to like keep going on this journey because it'll allow me to see better and not through like wounded eyes. Cause like, as you know, I, I came from a divorced family, like parents, like remarried and different spouses. So it's been like really hard, but now I'm like, I just get to appreciate it and like let it go and not be like, so like, eh, like about it. So yeah, I'm really excited. And I, I get to like have really honest conversations with people and just like, I feel like people are like, oh, wow, like, let, let me try that. You know, yeah. it's like something I don't want to ever force because it's my journey, right? Absolutely. And so if people want to like try it in their own time, then do it. But it's like, been it's been scary. Like even talking to a therapist, I'm just like, oh, my brain hurts. <laughs> <laughs> like my brain's rewiring. So no, it's so hard. <laughs> it's, no, it's really true. And I think everybody has to find, we all have our own journey and you have to find mm-hmm. what works for you. My two words this year are healing and like grounding. So like grounding to my roots. Like I want to get to know more of where I come from. And also like, just like the history of women, you know, just Latinas and the struggles and Latinos in general, right? Like what happened before I got here? Yes. Like why, what are these patterns that we can break? I need to like evolve in that and not be blinded, you know? So I like that. I like that. That no, completely agree. Where do you see your path going forward from here? Where do you want to go as you continue your journey in sports? I don't know. It's, I really, I just want to learn as much as possible. I, I do eventually want to see what sports is in different countries in Europe, in Spain, and always bring what I what I learned to back to San Diego because San Diego is always going to be my home. Girl, I so, love that. <laughs> so just like I, it's really more like people believing in me and like giving me those opportunities and me just being open to like change and what's coming and like I don't know. I I love like just this the real like being uncomfortable and like putting myself out there. I, I, it's a love hate, right? I, I don't fully <laughs> love it, but I'm just, okay. So like even taking on the SD loyal job, there's just so much to it. And like this second year, I feel much more wiser because we learned so much, so much. So yeah, I, and not only like for me personally, like learning from other countries, but also um, I really want to help the next generation. Like that's where like my heart is. And um, yeah, just I, whatever that path leads me to I just get really nervous I'm like I don't have other tools yet I don't have other resources but let me just say this you will never always have everything Mm. it's so true it's we have to learn we have to be willing to learn we have to surround ourselves with people who we can engage and grow and mm-hmm. you, you know, I'm cool with never being the smart. I don't ever want to mm-hmm. be in a room where I'm, unless it's just me, if I'm solo, I should be the smartest person in the room. Right? <laughs> if, I'm right? myself, if I'm not, there might be a problem. <laughs> like what's going on? <laughs> That's so true. That's good. That's a good point. I like that. About if just you, being around those people that are going to yeah. push you. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I've learned so much more about myself during this time of quarantine and during Mm -hmm. the, with the people, because even though I grew up in San Diego, even though I grew up in Escondido, I live like in downtown now. Mm -hmm. So it's not like I'm, I'm, I don't see the friends I grew up with all the Mm -hmm. time. I do see Mm -hmm. them from time to time, but I, um, I had to make another circle of friends who were in this area Mm -hmm. and the people, I think I've manifested those friendships 
because the people that I've manifested, oh my gosh, are just, they've been so amazing, so supportive, so Mm -hmm. smart. Mm -hmm. And people who really believe in Mm -hmm. like these ancestral healings in, Mm -hmm. you know, energy in universe and still believe in God, because Mm -hmm. I think there's a misconception that you can't believe in like God and what the universe provides, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. They aren't mutually exclusive. Yeah. I actually have been, I did a Reiki class last year. And cause I'm like a firm believer in God, like Holy Spirit, Jesus, all of that. But I'm just like, why am I interested in Reiki? What's going on over there? So I took a class and I'm so like, I was like, I have so many questions. So I'm like, I'm after this, I'm like, all right, second one. Cause I have a lot. Like there's, I feel like there's God is energy. Yeah. What do you think? Ha- like, hello, <laughs> right. God is energy. Yeah. If we say God is everywhere, everywhere mm-hmm. we're surrounded by energy. God is energy. We're just harnessing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was like, just like the way she was wording about like the candles and the archangels and like, like, she's like, they're in the Bible. It's like, hello, it all connects. And I'm like, oh, wow. I'm learning. So when you much. think about it, when you really look at it, yeah. uh, energy healing is in the Bible. That's yeah. what they're talking about. You yeah. know, yeah. they just call it like, healing wow. or, you know, but yeah. it's, that's what it is. If people want to get to know you better, follow you on social media. How can they do that? Yes. My handle is at Lizzie, L-I-Z-Z-Y-M dot Rivas. Um, I do have Facebook, but I'm not as active. I usually just do everything on, on Instagram. I have a Twitter too, but not active at all. So I'm actually in the middle of just trying to rebrand all of them. So stay tuned for that. (laughs) And quick question before I ask you the very last question. So how is soccer working this year? How are you guys proceeding into the into the next season? Um, so the league officially announced that we're starting in May. So we will, um, in regards to like fans being in the stadium, we are going to have only 25% to start. And then as things get better, we'll like have 50%, 75%, hopefully we'll get to 100% back in the stadium. But same thing, you know, all the protocols of like testing on a weekly basis, making sure the guys are having their temperature check. So the, the norm that we did last year, but yeah, we're excited. We're excited to be able to start in May again. Yeah. And what's the website for the loyal? Um, it should be sdloyal.com. So if you guys want more information, if you're in the yes. San Diego area, make sure to go to sdloyal.com and follow Lizzie on Instagram and all of that information will be in the show notes as well. Lizzie, last question, because we start book end with the (laughs) wine, right? What is your favorite type of wine, red, white, or rosé? And do you have a specific brand? As of now, it is red. And how I said, I don't know, this is embarrassing, but there's a wine bottle that I started drinking and it has like two little like animals, like go over like facing each other Uh it's I don't even know what it's called but I always get that and I'm learning about like Cabernet I don't even know the rest of it but yep that's I'm I'm a beginner so stick (laughs) with me girl well we'll, you'll you'll be beginner plus I'm I'm I wouldn't say I'm beginner I'm like between beginner and intermediate so I'm like beginner plus maybe Mm, or more intermediate I guess Girl, you, you, I, I'm going to learn from you. I'm just like, tell me more. <laughs> so do all of your, um, 
podcasts talk about different wines or do you share about more wine stuff and other places on social media? Yeah, so I'm actually working on what I'm going to be doing next. So thank you for listening to this episode of the Wine and Cheese Med Podcast. For more information on today's guest, please see the show notes for links to websites and social media channels. You can check out all things Wine and Cheese Met on our website, thewineandcheesemetpodcast.com. There, you will find the names of wines I drink each episode, as well as additional information on me, the podcast, and you can even apply to be a guest straight from there. You can also find us on social media at the Wine and Cheese Met on Instagram and at the Wine and Cheese Met Podcast on Facebook. Remember, if you want to hear more Wine and Cheese Met, subscribe, rate, and review. Five-star ratings are appreciated and those positive reviews are appreciated even more. Until next time, saludos!